Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, And on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show, and I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Welcome, friend. Today, we're going to take it in with Colossians 4, 6, using my step-by-step Bible study method, and you will find links to a study sheet as well as videos for the step-by-step masterclass in today's show notes if you'd like to learn more. Colossians 4, 6 in the NIV says this, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. A little background on the book of Colossians. The author is the Apostle Paul. And that although the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, it is not believed that he actually went there, but instead this church was an overflow startup or something like that went from his time uh, in, in his ministry in Ephesus. The audience is the church at Colossae. The date of the writing is AD 60 to 61. It is a prison epistle written, believed to be written from Rome during Paul's first imprisonment there. And the major themes are Christ the church, the gospel, and the Christian life. Chapter four, the final chapter of the book of Colossians, there's 18 verses in that. And the Enduring Word Commentary talks about the theme of chapter four being prayer life, personal witness, and final greetings. And we are in the section of chapter four that is talking about verses five and six, the outer life of witness. What does a life of faith look like on the outside? And so I'm going to read both five and six. Again, this is in the NIV. Verse five, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse six, our verse today. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Step one in the Bible study method is to choose our word and our word today is grace. The definition of grace is elegant movement, poise, or balance, charming, pleasing qualities. It's also free and undeserved favor, especially of God, unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their sanctification. I think about this already as we're talking about conversation, like that first definition, elegant movement, poise, or balance. Like, how do we have that in our conversation? The verse says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Let our conversation be full of elegant movement, of poise and balance. Interesting. I also, recently I heard this really concise, wonderful definition of the difference between mercy and grace. I just want to share it here. Mercy means not getting what we deserve. And grace means getting what we don't 
deserve. I just thought that was really interesting. I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, that makes perfect sense to me. Some of the synonyms of grace are favor, generosity, charity, compassion, goodness, and goodwill. Let our conversation be full of favor, generosity, charity, compassion, goodness, goodwill. Some of the opposites are cruelty, abuse, evil, harshness, brutality, inhumanity, and nastiness. So those are the things we definitely do not want our conversation to be full of or even seasoned with or speckled with because that just shuts people down, right? Step two is the investigate step. And we divide that up into four parts. Part one is to compare our word and other translations. I found a couple of different things. The Amplified Bible says gracious and pleasant. It also says the Amplified Student Edition says gracious, pleasant, and winsome. And I looked up winsome because I was curious about that. It means charming, winning, engaging, inspiring trust and approval, especially if in an innocent manner. It is coming to the table with openness and approachability and and an invitation to trust, not to manipulate, not to force our opinion, uh, but to just invite constructive dialogue. I liked that. The ERV says kind. The NLV says speak with them in such a way they will want to listen to you. The NLT said gracious and attractive that our conversation could actually be attractive, that our conversation could be such that people want to listen, that they want to lean in and hear more from us because they do not feel defensive. Can our conversation, can the words we use invite people to let go of their guard and let go of their defenses and know that we're going to have an open, accepting dialogue? The WE says, always say good things when you talk. Part two of the investigate step is to research the original word. The Strong's number is G5485, charis, and it means graciousness of manner or act. And I loved this. It means especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude. The way that we are affected by our relationship with God, the way that we have gotten in touch with the grace that God has bestowed upon us, the more we are in touch for our need of God's grace, the more we will be able to demonstrate in our words and our actions, our transmission of God's grace right? The more we have accepted and humbled ourselves to receive and surrendered to the grace that we must have, the more we will recognize that other people need grace. And in that overflow of the grace and our thanksgiving for the grace that we have received, we will be able to offer that to other people. The word, the the Greek word is from a primary verb that means to be cheerful or calmly happy or well off. We can come into conversations with grace when we don't have an ulterior motive and we don't need to control the narrative. When we come wanting to know what the other person thinks and feels and has to say, and we're not defensive or trying to force our agenda on someone else. The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, and just to note all of these resources, I put, I put, 
all the resources I use to put an episode together in the show notes. So you can find those things there. But the TDNT says that this grace, it is joyous being understood not in terms of the beautiful, but of the element of the delightful in the beautiful. So it's not just that the words are lovely, but that the meaning in the words are lovely. That the grace comes from the heart and the words are evident of the grace in the heart. Part three in the investigate step is to read commentary. Here's a couple of things from the enduring word. It says the Christian life isn't only lived in the prayer closet. Okay, pause right there, right? Like it is so important to have our connected, quiet, alone time with the Lord. No substitute for that. Whatever your prayer closet is, right? Mine's a love seat in the corner of my living room. That's where I connect day after day after day in the word and with the, with the Lord alone. It's me and him. I, he teaches me so much. It's so important. But the Enduring Word commentary is saying, it's not only that though. It's not only lived in those quiet moments. There also must be practical, lived out Christianity, which lives wisely towards those who are on the outside. How we speak has a lot to do with this. So we must let our speech always be with grace. People are not drawn to the Lord through us if we are not nice with what we say. I'll just leave that right there, right? They're just not. They're just not. William Barclay translates Colossians 4, 6 this way. He says, let your speech always be with gracious charm, seasoned with the salt of wit, so that you will know the right answer to give in every case. And Barclay explains, quote, here is an interesting injunction. It is all too true that Christianity in the minds of many is connected with a kind of sanctimonious dullness and an outlook in which laughter is almost a hearsay. The Christian must commend his message with the charm and the wit which were in Jesus himself. The Christian must commend his message with the charm and the wit which were in Jesus himself. When Jesus talked, people leaned in. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They didn't always understand what he had to say. They didn't even always like what he had to say, but they wanted to hear what he had to say because they knew what he had to say was important. How do we communicate in such a way that people want to listen to us? Not because we want to prove something or we need to be right about something, but because we want to invite dialogue, especially about hard things. The Enduring Word goes on to say that Paul spent considerable time in this letter explaining the truth and refuting bad doctrine, yet all the correct knowledge was of little good until it was applied in both the prayer closet and the public street of daily life. The Lord has teaching us things. He is teaching us things. He is bringing healing. He is helping us have more grateful hearts. He is teaching us wisdom. He's encouraging us, giving us discernment and direction. He is working in us. How do we communicate that so that other people believe it, see it, and invite it in their lives too? How do we, with our words, point other people to the transformative power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Part four is called Rewrite, and I'm going to Read the verse again in the original, uh, the way that we started in the NIV, in the original. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I rewrote it like this. Angie, remember that how you say something is as important as what you are saying. When you speak, allow your tone and temperature of speech to reflect the love and devotion you have for Jesus. How you say something, this is really important for me. How I say something is as important as what I am saying. Because if I'm saying something in a nasty way, what were some of those opposites? If I'm saying something in a condescending way, if I'm saying something in a superior way, then it really doesn't matter if I'm right or not. It really doesn't matter if I have something good to say or not. Nobody's listening because nobody wants to hear anybody talk to them like that. Step three in the step-by-step method is to find the character of God where we just write down some of the things the attributes of the Lord that are standing out to us as we study. I wrote down a couple of things. I wrote down gracious, of course. I put my speech should hold the grace for others that Christ has for me. And then I wrote down right, that God is right. God's command is to love others. And my submission to that command should be apparent in what I say and how I say it. Our words are so powerful. I think about Uh, I am an Enneagram one. And one of the things about an Enneagram type one is that there's this internal critic all the time. I didn't know that everybody didn't talk to to themselves in the hateful way. I talk to myself all the time. I am so hard on myself. There's this inner dialogue all the time telling me all the things I didn't get done or didn't get done well or didn't do, or, I mean, just, it's like constant and I have to shut it off. And I was in therapy some years ago when my wise therapist invited me to consider my internal dialogue and what she calls negative self-talk. And when we begin to unpack that, and I began to realize how I had this internal criticism all the time, I began to learn the power of my words that don't even ever get out of my mouth, the power of my words inside my brain. What power and what tremendous freedom it brought when I learned that I could recognize when I was doing that and stop it and turn it around. I know what kind of power those words that weren't even spoken had. And think about the power our words have as we talk to our children, as we talk to our spouses, as we talk to people in the workplace and wherever we are, right? Our words have immense power and how we use our words should be taken with a great deal of of care as Christians. All right, step four is to identify the lie. What is the lie that we are tempted to believe, the half-truth that we are tempted to believe that would block us from accepting our responsibility or the promise that is in a verse of scripture that we're studying? I wrote down this today. When you speak, make sure your words are heard. Get your point across, even if it means you step on a few toes. If you know you're right, say it. It doesn't matter how you say it. That's not true. It does matter how we say it. And it doesn't mean that we don't ever say anything that's hard. It doesn't mean we don't ever say anything that's hard for the other person to hear. It doesn't mean we don't ever say anything that makes us uncomfortable to say. It means we say that from a place of gratitude and acceptance of the grace that God pours out upon us and accepting the challenge and the responsibility to speak with grace, no matter what we say, whether it's 
easy or hard or whatever, that we speak it with grace. Okay, so step five in the method is called So What? And it's where we write down a takeaway of what we've learned today. And this is what I wrote. My speech is important. Sometimes my words will need to be straightforward and strong, but they never need to be, they never get to be cruel, harsh, or unkind. Even unpopular words can be spoken with grace and love. And I will just say that being a mom has taught me more about this than anything else. I have said the things that I regret the most in my life to my boys when I was angry, impatient, scared. Um, And I have learned as a mom to go back and apologize and say, I was unhappy or I was scared or that didn't go the way I wanted. And I shouldn't have talked to you that way. It's very humbling. It makes me doing that a few times uh, some years ago when I recognized how that internal critic, those powerful words that I was just talking about, came out of my mouth onto people that I have been um, gifted with the opportunity to love, how that was affecting me. It made me do two things. It made me want to uh, take control of that inner critic. And it also made me want to communicate to my boys that I was working hard to not do that anymore. Um, That's not the kind of mom I wanted to be. That's not the kind of place from which I wanted to parent. And I think most of the time when we are communicating in a way that is not seasoned with grace, um, that is not full of grace, it is often to the people that we are closest to and we do life with. And so I just encourage you today, one, if you can uh, empathize or connect with what I'm talking about with that inner critic, recognize what that voice is saying to you and how it's affecting you, what lie it's trying to tell you to believe about yourself. And then recognize maybe how that's coming out of your mouth in your words. And do not be afraid to apologize to your people when you know you've done it wrong. Because we all do it wrong. And there is an abundant grace for that as well. And I think when we come, well, this has been my experience anyway, when we come to our people and say, um, I reacted in a way, I said some things from my fear or from that place where I was that weren't kind, and I'm sorry. Gosh, that goes a long way when we can just say, I wish I hadn't said that and I'm sorry. So I hope that's encouraging to you today, friend. I would love to hear your takeaway if you have one. You can email me anytime at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe or follow the podcast on whatever directory you use to listen. It's so encouraging. Uh, It helps the show a lot. And I also want to let you know that Wednesday's episode is going to be fantastic. Uh, My guest is Michelle Reyes for our Live It Out episode on this verse this week. Michelle sat down with me recently to talk about how important it is for us to have conversation about race in our families and in our faith communities. I love learning from Michelle. I've had the opportunity to do that a couple of different times. Love her. And I think you're going to love her openness and acceptance of how challenging it is to talk about issues related to race relations. And her passion connects beautifully to this verse that we've been talking about today, Colossians 4, 6. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved cherished child of God. Peace.